welcome to Drinking and Talking with your host, Vincent Franconi. Might as well let it roll. Dude, um, no, no, <laughs> bad, bad. You're, I mean, I, I, can I ask how old you are now? I'm 42 now. So you're 42. 42. So you're like uh, about six years younger than that? Five years? Wait, I don't know. I'm doing math terribly. I thought I was like four no, years No, you're four younger. years younger than I am. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Um, so, okay, yeah, you're at the age where you need to, like, have health insurance. Yeah, and I finally <laughs> got it. And now they're going to take it away, but, like, I yeah, had it for yeah. this year. It'll so be gone soon, cool. but whatever. You know. Enjoy yeah, all you can. It. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, but yeah, I've ju- I've just like I've that's like the health insurance thing is a perfect example. Like I've just sort of I've been lucky enough that like at times shit works out for me and it really shouldn't. Um, yeah, like, it really it really shouldn't. <laughs> I don't know how like, you've managed to string this fucking series of luck along, but yeah, I don't either because like yeah, I'm. You know, I think it's because I just live in constant terror of it, like always failing. Um, and I don't know, it's like reverse psychology or something. I, I don't know. Well, um, you tell me, it's definitely but bit me in the ass. Like, you know, it, I've not had like, you know, uh, you know, there was the two and a half years that I lived with Matt and Kelly Sue because I basically had no money and no prospects. So, yeah, that's true. But, like all of my sort of guilt about crashing on your couch for an extended period of time was a little was washed away when I heard that you were <laughs> staying at Matt and Kelly's like living in their basement for like a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So I kind of felt like two different houses. I moved houses <laughs> with them. Oh, God. Uh, so yeah. you like Uncle Chris in the basement. Uh huh. Like babysitting their kids and shit. Yeah, like I would. Uh, <laughs> it it was like I don't know. There was something very simple and nice about it, which was just like I would get up, I would work all day, I, and I did this thing called flatting, which is where you take like black and white comics pages and you basically it's like a coloring book. Yeah, you're just coloring in each. So like this jacket is this color and this shirt and his eyes are this color, blah, 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 blah. Um, and that's for the colorists to go work their magic on. So it looks, you know, nice. Um, but I would do that all day and then um, I would have dinner with the family um, and then <laughs> they would, you know, kids would go into bath and bed and I would uh, pack my stuff up and I would go to the all night coffee shop Um and I would stay there and work until like maybe like 2 a.m. Um, and then I'd come back and I'd sit in the basement and I'd play Skyrim on uh, Matt's giant TV. Um, and like I'd like step out and smoke weed and just get like ripped and like sit there and play Skyrim um, <laughs> un- until I heard the kids like waking up and running around, and then I'd be like, "Okay, it's time to go to bed." Um, because it's because it's eight in the morning. Because <laughs> it's like well, six in the morning. Okay, six um, in the morning. All right. But yeah, then I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, clearly I should be in bed, uh, and I don't want to like uh, I don't want anyone to know my shame that I've been up for the last three hours. <laughs> like I logged so much. Like I read seventy plus books that year. Um, which like I have not even read a tenth of that this year. You mean um, like like just casual, just like oh, I'm reading books now because I'm I have time. 
Yeah, because I have nothing else going on. Like nobody wants me to write anything, so uh, I am. Yeah, because you like, weren't you weren't like Chris Sabella author then. You were sort of like trying to figure shit out, right? You were just working and and, and taking stabs at uh, getting shit published, right? Yeah, I had I had Screamland out, like I had that one book out, but nobody cared. Um, you know. Like, well, and you, rightfully you, so. Like, there wasn't a lot there that should have inspired anybody to be like, we should get this guy some work. But, I mean, you did get a review for that because I remember talking to you when your first book came out and, uh, like, you got your first, like, bad review. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, I want to know what that's like because I kind of have this vision of comic book um, readers as being, like, hypercritical kind of well, I can use the word fucking pricks. And I kind of wanted to see, like, if they, like, shit all over your book, which, you know, whatever, it's their prerogative. But I wanted to see, like, this whole, like, I have the image of the of the Simpsons comic book guy being, like, the average comic reader, just, like, hypercritical and, like, worst episode ever kind of guy. And, yeah. uh, like, I felt bad for you because I'm like, you're entering a field. Like, like, I write poems. No one gives a shit about that. Um, you know, no <laughs> one's going to read my shit. And, you know, they're all supportive in my community. Like, yours, I feel like, are really going to fucking not take anything uh, that you do uh, and be forgiving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're like, yeah, the very first review I got was bad. But the substance, like, one, I was glad that it was like, okay, good. I got it out of the way. Like, very first one. Um and also the substance of the review, which was basically, well, if I had written this, I would have done it differently. Oh, I is, hate that. That's so but stupid. That's, literally, that's like, and I've noticed, like, it's the substance of, like, 90% of comic reviews is, like, if they don't like it, then it becomes a treatise on, it's because, like, oh, well, this didn't do what I think it should have done. Oh, I hate um, that so much. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, but you know, it's just like I don't. Uh, but I feel like that's that's like it's a part of the larger culture now. That just like uh, because of the fact that like you know, with social networking and stuff like like I don't know, everybody's voice is a bit more amplified, so people are more apt to be like, well, like I don't think this worked, and you know, here's how I would have done it. Like I don't. Know. I don't know. Um, I mean, I have a friend who um, in college who uh, one of my fellow one of my colleagues who was teaching a class on I don't even remember what it was on, but um, she was re- they were reading books and they were watching movies. It was one of those kind of cross genre things or whatever cross medium things. And the students were all um, sort of MFA creative writing students as opposed to the average English student, and they were all complaining about the material. And their, their comment was always the same, which was, "Well, from a position of craft." I think I would have done this. And yeah. she was like tearing her hair out at that because it's just like, can we just forget that somebody wrote this for a second and pretend that this thing just organically came into being and just discuss it as a thing, not as a, what could I have done differently? Cause you're not so you're not in charge of this. Like you didn't write it. Like can you just mm-hmm. like do the death of the author thing for a second and pretend like, Hey, this movie just was born and it just is a thing and it's imperfect. Can we talk about like what's wrong with it? What's good with it? Not how like you would have changed that dialogue or you would have changed the setting or maybe made this character a little bit more dynamic in this way. Cause I think that's kind of yeah. a bullshit criticism and it kind of pisses me off. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't read reviews anymore. Like I read, I will read reviews of uh, like if I get tagged in them on Twitter and for the most part, uh, people are decent enough to not tag you in bad reviews. Um, <laughs> that's nice of them. 
Yeah, there are definitely some assholes who will be like, well, I just thought like you'd appreciate the criticism. Uh, <laughs> it's like, no. I have I several like, pages of notes, and I thought you might enjoy talking about them for hours on end. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I don't, I don't get a lot of that. I've seen bad reviews of my stuff, but ultimately it comes down to, like, it's just no, nothing is for everybody. So, like, no matter what you do, like, you could write the most perfect thing in the world and there's going to be a percentage of people who hate it. Um, and that's just how it is. So I've, you know, I'm, and you know me, I'm not Mr. Fucking Positivity, but, like, I tend, that's what I focus on. I focus on, like, the people who, like, reach out and say nice things about my work and people who are, like, touched by something that I've written. Um, like, yeah. It's like, fuck the rest. Like, it's just like, I and I understand the impulse because, like, back in the savant days when we were doing the, the you know, the comic zine savant, like, I was reviewing comics and I would shit all over books because, one, it's really easy to shit on something. Yeah. Um, and, two, it's just like because I was frustrated because I was just like, well, I would like to write, but I don't have the courage or the like uh, confidence in myself or whatever. So it's a lot easier for me to like lash out at this thing. Um, and you know, call it wanting and just like, here's where my creativity is going to sing. And it's like, that's so terrible. Like, I'm so glad none of that stuff exists on the internet anymore. I was going to say, is uh, any of that out there? Cause I'd be embarrassed. Cause I wrote three or four articles and they were probably horrible. No, smartly. Like Matt took it down like before, like archive, became a really a real thing so thank, like there thank aren't. god although yeah. i have to say like the only thing that i wrote on there like i like that was my first stabs at writing anything and um like matt was nice enough because we were friends to say hey you want to write something you know nothing about comics this will be funny um so we want like this person who knows nothing about this as, a, as opposed to everybody else here who knows everything about it and i wrote a review for mouse by spiegelman and like I was, it was a genuinely positive review because like back then I thought I'm only going to write about stuff that I like. Like it, it has to be a positive review because I don't want to write about anything I don't like because I just couldn't think of what to say. But instead it was like I would write reviews that were nothing but praises, which is kind of obnoxious. But like I, I wrote it and this kid in high school read it and sent me an email and was like, I read your review for Mouse and it was really cool and I, I printed it out and I showed it to my friends and I felt like the fucking king of the world that day. I was like so happy. And uh, I'm like, that's probably I, I, the thing that kept me like uh, writing. Like I probably would have thrown it in after Savant, but like I always like thought about like that one like 16 year old kid who read my review of Mouse and really liked it. And that's what sort of like just made me figure, hey, maybe I should keep doing this because this feels good. But like, yeah, and that's, I think that's God, a lot harder to do. It was impossible because, like, what do you say that's nice? It's it's just, hey, I really like this book. Um, that's yeah. about all you can do because it quickly and what it did devolve into was just like platitudes of like, this is the greatest thing in the world um, without any kind of real insight to it, which is why I'm glad it's not available anymore. But at the same time, like, I do get that idea. Like, it's much easier to write a shitty review of something, and it's kind of probably more fun too. Um, But I don't want to do that. I do. I do want to shit all over everybody I hate, but, you know. Sure. I prefer to do that, like, in in IRL. Like, (laughs) you seem to do it on Twitter, though, pretty well. Uh, yeah, but I'm only, like, shit-talking, like, people who deserve it. Like, I'm always punching up, um, which I try to, like, 
keep that as an ethos at all times is like never punch down, just always punch up. So well, I'm you, always like, I mean, I will shit on like Trump supporters, but that's because they came after me. But that's like, I didn't. That's a thing that I kind of noticed lately, like since we're on this, like we should talk about this for a second. Like you have a Twitter following uh, because you have, you know, your books, but it's like, dude, you got a lot of Trump supporters who are coming out of the woodwork to like battle you on Twitter. Like, what the fuck? Like, and I'm glad you're doing it because I'm well, well, it's I, should, I should I, say for a second that we are on Twitter as the, the podcast is on Twitter at drinking and talking, whatever fucking however you access Twitter. Um, but like, I'm not because I. Like, I feel the world of Twitter is fairly toxic, and I know I'm not the first sure. to say that, but it's like it's something I'm too old to really get into, so I've never, I've kind of always avoided it. Um, but like, when I see your battles with like fucking neo Nazi Trump supporters on Twitter, I'm kind of like annoyed in one sense, but also really like happy that you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've definitely dialed back a bit just because like it was taking up so much time. Um, because these people are relentless because this is all they have is like this they're all cult members basically um and they so, all complain about the fact that you have a beard yeah that's why i replaced my personal photo on twitter like it, it takes all the oxygen out of the room they don't know what to do um but the reason they keep coming at me is because i will like i will see you know, Paul Ryan say like tweet something stupid or, you know, I, I got I re- most recently it was because I, I I made fun of William Shatner to his face. And uh, um, so then all these elderly Twitter users started coming after me. Are there elderly um, Twitter users? I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I had one who kept coming back and I kept telling them like uh, I mean, I kept, basically kept saying like you're going to die soon. Like you're irrelevant. Jesus Christ. Uh, well, because, like, the last reply they sent to me, it was me correcting some dude uh, had, like, babbled at me. And I was like, listen, like, work on your sentence structure before you, you try this again. And then she, like, poked her head in and she's like, coming from a comic book writer, lol. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and I was like, yeah, it's great. I'm living my dream. Maybe you will, too, in your next life. Like, Yeah, like, what have um, you written exactly? How many, like, you know, epic Moby Dick length works have you produced that you can fucking shit all over my comics? Yeah, and it's like, no, I get it. Like, it's an easy thing to it. But that's all they do is, like, they just go for easy uh, attacks. It is an easy attack. You're right. But So do you want to shout out your Twitter handle in case uh, anyone uh, wants to, like, sure. send you a message? It's, it's at Xtop X T O P, um, but yeah, I've been dialing it back just because like they're relentless and it gets boring. Like they're just t- like it's like kicking dogs. Like <laughs> they're just defenseless. Don't like, kick these, dogs, dude. Whatever you do. Yeah, yeah, like these like these people just wander in and they think they're gonna fuck you up and like. They have no idea what they've wandered. And I'm not, like, bragging on myself. I'm just saying, like, these people are so stupid that it makes me feel like a genius. Well, you, because, should, like, you should brag on yourself a little bit because if anybody I know, like, you you have a certain quickness. To, you've always had, like, a quickness and a wit and uh, a vocabulary uh, to, to be able to, like, definitely, like, when you were in your day, when you were really in your sort of angriest the angry young Chris that I remember, um, it was something where like, you know, keeping up with you was difficult. 
so you have that, uh, which is a natural gift, um, which however you've honed it uh, is great. You know, if, you, if you've turned that into your writing career. But it's like I could see you on Twitter and I've seen like, you know, as an outsider observing you on Twitter, like just basically decimating human people who try to fuck with you. And I think it's beautiful. Um, but it's like, I, I kind of feel like, man, they don't really know what they're in for. Cause like Sabella doesn't fuck around and he's really good at like coming up with a pithy, perfect cut, like a, a terrible thing to make you feel horrible, like in a quick economic package, which is a ba- basically yeah. what Twitter is. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I mean, if nothing else, like, yeah, I, I guess it, it helps me hone like my, <laughs> my pithy dialogue. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I've just felt a lot more contentious this year. So like I never used to interact with that stuff, but this year I've just like gone all in. Um, oh. And I will just like, you know, I got blocked by Mike Huckabee because I mentioned to him that his son killed a dog. Um, so like and fuck him for pe- that. These these people in positions of power, like they come onto Twitter and think like you know they're just gonna like pontificate. And I as as like many terrible things as there are about Twitter, there's nothing better than like you see like Paul Ryan tweet something and then you go look at the responses and it's just like hundreds of people shitting on this guy like from a great height. And it's like, oh, man, like it gives me a little bit of faith in humanity that like we we can at least like put this venom we all have to good use. Sure. Uh, and I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not converting any. I actually had a decent conversation with, like, a Trump supporter, um, which we were both shocked by. Uh, <laughs> but we both treated it so casually. Like, you know, we never, like, it's just like, I don't know, the, the majority of these people just revert quickly to, like, they'll call you a lib. They'll call you a snowflake. Uh, the the younger, stupider ones will call you a cuck. Um, oh, that's one of my favorites. Yes, but it's the like, cuck. yeah, they're all they're all reading out of the same playbook, and they all repeat the same insults. And then when you like ignore them, or I never block people unless they're really awful. Um, but like they'll, if you do block them, then they'll be like, oh, you just want to live in an echo chamber. Yeah, it's like, you that's can't what win. interacting. Like, yeah, you are a living echo chamber. Like you repeat. The same fucking shit that you've seen on 4chan and, you know, on your side of Twitter. And, you know, I don't know. I just like I like fucking people up sometimes. Like, it makes me feel good. Um, well, that's the thing. Like, tw- like, Twitter seems to be, like, engineered for that. Like, it's like I'm on Facebook and that took me years to get on Facebook, as you know, because um, I remember you sort of telling me, like, via email, like, yeah, Vinny's not on Facebook. I, I knew you weren't on that. I'm like, no, I had to confess to you that I finally joined. And I felt kind of like I was letting you down that I joined Facebook because uh, <laughs> it sort of shattered the illusion that I'm like this technophobic, like almost Koresh style, oh, not Koresh, um, like, you know, like I'm this Unabomber style guy living in a shed who doesn't engage with technology, but like I'm slowly being dragged into it. But Twitter, I just haven't been able to get into it. And then I hear about these other places like 4chan and Reddit, and I have like no inclination for any of it because i just assume the entire all these these things are just made for people to just be their worst selves and i know that like the internet i am like the worst version of myself when i'm online so Uh i'm sort of worried about getting on twitter because i feel like i would just be like the i could be an instigator and a prick like more than usual yeah no and it's it's very easy i don't know i just like feel like i had that phase in my life and i did it all in real life like you did it face to face you were kind of ballsy 
Yeah, you were you were a prick in, in real life. That was great. And I was always like, you know, I was like one of the earlier people that I knew who was like on the internet. So you were like, the, literally the first person I've ever met who was on the internet, who had an email, <laughs> who had all that, who was on chat and chat rooms. Like nobody uh-huh. did that. You were like 1994 doing that. That's not that early. Really? Uh, yeah. I never heard of the internet until like I met you, and then that was that was little, that was 1994. When we were sort of was that 94? Oh, yeah. Okay, I guess you're right. Um, that was early. Yeah, no, I yeah. No, I, I mean was like the, the CIA I mean, I was, was on, on the internet, but like we weren't. But yeah, I was on the internet in high school. Like what? Uh, yeah, I, like I was on Prodigy. Um, well, like, you went to a yeah. good high school. You went to like a private school. So I did go to a fancy, but that, that was independent of going to a fancy high school. Like oh. I just had internet on my own. It's because my my mom's boyfriend, um, he he moved in with us for like a year or two, and he was a big like tech nerd, and he had the internet, and that's how I got like turned on to the internet because. <laughs> He had like a really big PC and I would just like as soon as I figured out I could go online and like talk to strangers like I don't know everything sort of clicked. Um, I had no idea your mom had a live-in boyfriend. I've always known uh, Karen to be just like you know the single mom taking care of things without uh, yeah no uh, without Dave. a dude around. Dave. His name was Dave. Really, yeah, he was a. Um, Did yeah, he live in with co- you guys when you guys lived in uh, that beautiful place in uh, Uptown? Yeah, but not the two-story. It was when we lived across the hall in the one-story version. Oh. Um, That's but, why I yeah. didn't know him, because I only met you when you moved into the cool two-story version. Yeah, he... No, he moved out. I remember... Like, I can't remember a great amount of shit in my life, but, like, some <laughs> things co- coincide really well. I but I remember that is. No, no, it's fine. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's mostly trauma. Um, um, okay. But uh, I remember going to see the Billy Joel Stormfront tour um, with my mom and Dave. And then the, that was February 13th. Um, and then the next day he broke up with her. And that was also like when we had a huge blizzard. Oh, so yeah. that was like 89. Yeah, that was, that was when I was in high school, last year of high school. Yeah. Yeah, that was like my freshman year of high school. Um, but yeah, I remember he broke up with her on Valentine's Day. Um, That's cold. He dumped her on Valentine's Day? Yeah. That's fucking Valentine's, cold. I, yeah, he was like, I always thought he was an asshole and like I treated him as such. Um, and then, yeah, it was just like, oh, confirmation. Um, but yeah, uh, so that was a, a, but, you know, to his credit, he's the dude who like, introduced me to the for better or worse introduced me to the internet and like i could have been a vicious little troll like i certainly had the temperament for it but like for whatever reason i just never i i prefer like fucking with people to their face You've always been very good at that. I mean, like you've, you were never like. A, I mean, you, you didn't take shit, which I kind of always liked. I think in that time in my life when I met you, which was '93, is probably when I met you because that's when I moved up to the north side and started taking that terrible job where I met you at uh, the Phonathon. Mm-hmm. We were uh, the Phonathons where Chris and I met. We were um, calling up alumni of the college we went to and asking them for donations, which was kind of a ridiculous joke of a job. 
But like um, I was fairly um, new to the area and felt kind of like I didn't belong there because I was like this working class blue collar south side kid. And like the north side Lincoln Park was fairly like posh and everybody was really cool. And like they all knew the indie spots. And I was just like, hey, like, you know, I hang out at uh, Uncle Sam's Euros on 87th and uh, Cicero and I don't know shit. Um, So I felt fairly inferior. But it was like, you know, seeing Chris is sort of like inability to take shit and suffer fools gladly was always kind of a I think like a, that's probably why I like glommed on to you a little bit even though I was older than you yeah but no I mean like it, it yeah I mean a lot of it served me not well at all but <laughs> uh but you know that's just who I was back then so so we should probably no. talk about the Billy Joel thing too because did this guy get you into Billy Joel or was that something no you no had? that was that was all me because um, <laughs> you were kind of like a I, I guess we'll call it a closet Billy Joel fan uh, back then because back then we were listening to like the Dead Kennedys and Mr. Bungle and a lot of like you know indie rock and things like that so like to confess that you liked Billy Joel um. no no <laughs> like I, I have no shame about it like I got yeah I got into Billy Joel like right towards the end of grade school um, and then like I was really into him for like two years maybe longer um and then, like, junior, senior year, somebody – it was on a, a religious retreat. Um, wait, was that – yeah, yeah. Um, it was on some sort of retreat, but I remember somebody had Easy es album. Um, Easy Does It? Me, uh-huh. Oh, that's great and they, stuff. Yeah. And, like, they, I'd never heard of it. Like, I mean, I knew what rap was, but, like – um, but they like let me listen to it on headphone And like I remember I spent the whole night Just dying laughing Like it was like the greatest comedy album I'd ever heard um, It's like, fucking hilarious it is, yeah, it, To this day it's, it's hilarious to listen to that record. And like I could not believe Like everything they were saying on this I was like I'd never heard Anything that <laughs> profane Like set to music And I was like what is like and I was like I have to get some of this and then I got fully into rap uh for the remainder of high school um which is when I kind of when I met you you were like at the end of that because you were really into to hip-hop when I met you like the first time I came to your place you had like posters on the wall of hip-hop it was like you were that was entirely what you're into you and Kevin yeah. Fahey were just listening to like fucking like <laughs> Method Man's record and shit and uh-huh. like you were so into that shit yeah, and it was like, yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure what slipped me out of that. I, I mean, it's I want to, I want to take credit mildly because I was the, sure. I'm like, here, here's this record by this band called The Descendants that I love, and uh, like I remember we was we would listen to that, and like I think Live Itch by The Descendants was like the oh, album yeah. I gave you, and that was kind of a big record for us. Yeah, yeah, that's still like uh, a huge record for me. Um, I mean, I think it started like right in senior year of high school because I remember going – I was briefly part of the radio station. My high school was fancy enough it had a radio station. Jesus. Um, But it it was like, you know, the like narrowest band ever. Like it broadcast to um, nowhere. Um, (laughs) I mean, honestly, I don't think anybody uh, ever heard it anywhere, but – yeah, then I got I got uh, so I was in there with like and this was like junior year of high school and I was in there with like seniors like cool seniors and I remember one of them introduced me to Nirvana and it was before like Nirvana it was like before Teen Spirit 
I think it was like right when it came out. Uh, so before it had really like blown up. Yeah. And and I remember going and buying the the D seven Japanese import single by Nirvana. Um and it was like I bought it at like some boutique C D store right by Century Mall. Um, oh Jesus, yeah. God, that was so sketchy back then. Uh, and I like I paid way too much for it, but I was like I remember being like I really like this band, like I think I'm gonna get into this. Um, <laughs> so that was like where I started letting rock in, and then definitely like meeting you and the rest of the the Flophouse crew like opened up my because like the first time I heard the Pixies uh, was in the original Flophouse. Really? Uh, yeah. And I was stoned off my ass, and I remember all you guys were standing up and singing along to it. Oh, like, God. you all knew the words perfectly, and I was like, this song is so good, and I was like, this moment is so good. Like, I'm going to get into this band. Like, and Jesus. I still vividly remember this moment. Like, um, But, like, it was that, and I remember my buddy... I, I don't know who had the CD, but I remember being in my buddy Tom's dorm room... And he, uh, we'd gone to high school together and somebody, I don't know, maybe, no, maybe it was through you. Like Tom Waits, I remember being a really big. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was so into Tom Waits back then that I infected everybody I knew. It was probably it. Yeah. you. I was, I was probably I remember, forcing Tom Waits on everybody back then. Yeah. Like, even the Flophouse guys, like they all kind of knew who Tom Waits was, but they were so into Bob Dylan and I fucking right. hated Bob Dylan. And I was like, let's listen to Tom Waits instead. And thankfully they got into it because every time they would like reach for blood on the tracks, I would grab Rain Dogs by Tom yeah. Waits and be like, let's put this in real quick. Uh, it was like a battle to see who could get to the CD player first. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Then it was definitely through you that I like I remember hearing the name and I remember you were like talking about Bone Machine because I went to there was a CD store by DePaul and. I went and bought Bone Machine, and I remember I listened to it for the first time in my friend Tom's dorm room, and I vividly remember thinking to myself, I was like, this is college music. <laughs> like like those charts you'd always see in the back of Rolling yes, Stone, they'd have yes. the college music charts, and I'd always be like, what's college music? Yes. And then when I, the first time, when I heard the Earth Died Screaming for the first time, I was like, this is college music. Like, I've done it. I've really arrived. Yeah, Tom uh, Waits is very much college music. Uh which is which is uh, kind of a shame because I, I feel like he's one of those guys like Leonard Cohen and Bob Dylan and uh, Bob Marley, like people that when you're in college, you kind of feel this obligation to listen to. And um, mm. I like I love Leonard Cohen. I don't give a shit about Bob Dylan. I respect Bob Marley, but I don't give a fuck. But it's kind of like all those people I was sort of trying very hard to get into back then for the same reason, because it's like I'm in college now. Like, I can't just walk around listening to the fucking Meat Men or, you know, the Misfits or whatever I was really into secretly that I wanted to listen to. Like, I had to, like, mature my music taste up a little bit. So it's like, well, let's go pick up uh, a Leonard Cohen CD. And like mm. I ended up really liking Leonard Cohen, but like Tom Waits was the one guy I didn't have to fake it with. Like I really always love Tom Waits, but I always feel kind of bad that it's like most of my friends love Tom Waits and then like all of them are out of college now and now they don't probably like Tom Waits as much as I do. I still fucking love Tom Waits music, but Yeah, I've definitely like chilled on him a bit. Um 
But we were, I, I we were really into it back then. If you remember, we used to co-host, or you actually had a radio program at DePaul, and I hijacked right. it a little bit by being your permanent co-host. And like, there was one day where we did. You had a three-hour slot, and we didn't do anything but play Tom Waits for like three hours. Yeah, that that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, I got kicked off. Like, that's the thing. I got kicked out of my high school radio station, and then I got kicked out of the college radio station. Didn't I get so. you kicked off the radio at DePaul? It was my fault because uh, I made an inappropriate joke on the on the air. No, it was, uh, I don't think it was that it, it was because ultimately it was because somebody called once, um, Oh yeah. And, and they were like, Oh, we're doing a thing in the student center. So you're going to have to stop broadcasting. And then I was like, Oh, okay. And then I put four things on at the same time. You had just two left. CD players going and the two turntables. Yeah. You were, you were taking a JFK speech record and like where he was making speeches and scratching it like a DJ on the turntable <laughs> while we had Tom Waits going and probably like the dead Kennedys and the other CD player. And then, uh, we started singing, um, my way by Frank Sinatra, which was, it was broadcasting only like in the cafeteria of the, of the, yeah. Of and then the, the phone started ringing and it was like, better go. Uh, yeah. And then you got kicked like off I never, air. I didn't answer the phone, just left. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, then I was like, yeah, so the the teacher who was running it was like, "Yeah, you're not allowed here anymore." So. But you went out in a blaze of uh, glory for you know. But I do remember the guy who was playing was this uh, local saxophone player, right. who was this douchebag of a fucking pretentious jazz musician who um, just took his role as a jazz saxophonist so seriously. And uh, I used to see him at like the Discover Cafe and all these places and he would show up and it was like you couldn't talk to him before he went on. And he was like really just this affected prick. And when we heard that it was him who wanted to play his set at the cafeteria and we wanted to end the show early, like that's what spurred it on. Because I think if it would have been anybody else, we would we might have been OK. But it was that guy was such a fucking dick. They were just like, no, fuck this guy. Like we relished the idea of just like we, we even went off the air for like three minutes and then went back on. Like we kept doing that to sort of see like I want him to be playing his solo. And then suddenly we come on with like JFK scratches. And yes. dead Kennedys and so forth to just like get him off the stage. Cause fuck him. I, to this day, I don't feel any regret for that. I don't know about you, but yeah, no, I feel good about it. <laughs> yeah, that guy is kind of a dick. So, but yeah, those were the good days. Um, you know, playing on the radio and uh, dicking around before anybody gave a shit about what we did. So I should probably tell you since, um, you know, it's already hour and 40 minutes into this. Uh, but um, most of the stuff that we're talking about, like I know I did write about some of the times when we lived together in my uh, little memoir, but i um, working on a follow up. And I actually was writing a story and I was kind of wondering what you uh, thought of your memory of this, because I think my memories of things and your <laughs> memories of things are, 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 are not connecting because I remember uh-huh. things differently. But I have a little anecdote in, in this thing I'm writing about the time when we almost died in Edgar, the van, uh, because we were yeah. driving back from Kansas City and uh, like you had only been driving for like a couple of months. You were kind of a new driver and you kind of like nearly killed us. Well, OK, <laughs> like you're, uh, one, I, I'd been driving for longer than a couple months because uh, I, I had no, because I had the Cadillac at least for like. Uh, like I, I had my license and the Cadillac at least for like three months. Are you um, sure? Because I thought the Cadillac died fast. 
No, cause, uh, okay, because so I got the Cadillac in January. Um, so I remember I recruited you to drive it home because I didn't know how to drive. Yeah, no. Um, Chris bought a car without having a license. He had no idea how to drive, but he wanted this Cadillac uh, Coupe de Ville so badly that he bought it, and then I had to drive it back to his apartment for him. Yeah, I also, I had no idea how to drive. Um, <laughs> You're a city kid, like, you never learned. Yeah, I'd literally never driven a car in my life, so I was like, well, you drive it home, and then I'll learn how to drive, and then I'll drive it. And to your, um, to your credit, you learn how to drive. Uh, funny, funniest story you told me was when you went to, you went to the DMV, like in the worst neighborhood of Chicago, because you knew that it would just be like in and out pass. Like, you wouldn't have to worry too much about like like yeah. them failing you. It was on like 99th and MLK. Yeah, I don't okay. know that it was the worst. It was just like my buddy Terrence was like, you should come to the one at 99th and MLK. Like they don't give a shit out there. So. <laughs> and they passed you with flying colors, even though you fucked up the test or something. Um, I don't think I like, I might've done badly on like my parallel parking part. Well, when you um, told me about it, you said like that you passed and you were surprised and you said to the woman who was testing you, like, didn't I make a lot of mistakes? And she's like, oh, yeah. But, you know, you passed anyway. <laughs> yeah. She didn't give a shit no, at all. Yeah. Uh, like, here's another yeah, here's yeah. another unqualified driver for Chicago's streets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. So I had <laughs> I had gotten my license. I know at least like in the spring. Um well, I know the car died in April. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that car didn't make it very long. No, no, because I was dumb and was like, hey, let's drive to Kansas City. Um, another trip to Kansas. Like, that's the reason I moved there eventually after Edgar. Uh, I was like, well, clearly this town wants me to stay because it keeps, like, either killing my cars or trying to kill me. Um, yeah, Kansas City. So has I think this, I've been driving clause. at least for like a year at that point. Um I don't know. Like, yeah. uh, I can't see in my memory you had been driving for a couple of months with uh the Cadillac. That thing died. You immediately got the van, which we you named Edgar. And uh, uh the Cadillac wasn't even Aguirre, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Aguirre, the Wrath of God. Uh, and then All right, yeah. I mean, I I might not have been, but the the reason uh, I will admit fault um <laughs> in, in the whole thing because uh I remember there was like an accident off yes. to like we were in the passing lane and there was an accident like in the like very big sort of shoulder grassy area off of the the cruising lane um, or whatever the right hand lane's called. Uh, See, and you I still know you're driving, you know, whatever the right hand lane's called. That's beautiful. Yeah. You still know you're uh, driving stuff very well. <laughs> I, I can do it. I just can't name it. Um, but yeah, so then I remember like looking over at the accident. And then when I looked back, like the car in front of us had like hit its brakes. So then I slammed on my brakes. Um, but the wheel blew like it wasn't like you didn't hit anything. Like what I remember, what I remember is out. that, yeah, the, like you were you, you, we were driving home from Kansas City. There was an accident. You went to look at the accident. You didn't decelerate. You didn't slow down and say, well, I'm going right. to slow down and take a look <laughs> like a normal person. I'm just going to keep doing 80 miles an hour in a fucking minivan, uh, even yeah. though I'm not looking in front of me. And then when you looked in front of you and you saw that the, the, the car, the, like the taillights were on ahead of us everywhere, it was uh-huh. gridlock, you yeah. hit the brake and then we just yeah. sort of skidded across a couple of lanes. The tire somewhere in there blew out 
And we ended up like kind of not we didn't roll over, but we were basically in the ditch on the side of the road. Well, we were, yeah, hanging over on the shoulder and there was a semi <laughs> like that. Luckily, he was good at brakes because he could have just slammed right into us. But for um, me in the passenger side, I certainly remember cars flying past us as we flew like across lanes. Like it was like near seconds close to us getting hit like if we would have if you would have not been in that lane at that second we would have died see so i saved us really like yeah my okay if you, yeah you saved our lives sure whatever i did uh your like instincts kicked us. in and you saved our lives because it was yeah. literally milliseconds away from death and i just remember being in the passenger seat going okay this is how it ends all right <laughs> do you remember what we were listening to i do i remember we were listening to when we got back in the car which was the most triumphant thing I've ever heard. But what were we listening to when we were almost died? Uh, it was the complete who, uh, not, it was like man, man's Island. Oh yeah. The Isle of man concert. Yeah. 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 I remember the that. Double, it has like just been recently released. But like when we finally, like the whole story that, that, that we like to tell is that like, okay, we had a blowout. Our, our tires fucked. We don't have a spare. Of course you don't have a spare. Cause like, I don't know where Edgar came from, but there was no spare tire in that thing. And we had to like wait for the other accident that had happened to get resolved before the tow truck driver would basically take us to his like empire of used car parts and search for a tire that fits your car, which we were convinced because we're in the middle of Iowa and we were convinced like, well, we're just going to sleep in Iowa tonight. We'll be bedding down with the corn. Mm -hmm. And uh, eventually like they found, he found it miraculously and got it on. It was like, we were, but when we got back on the road, do you remember what we listened to when we were driving back? That was like, you know, let's turn the volume up to 10 and sing along because this is so <laughs> awesome because we're alive and we're back no. on the road. It was Shangri-La by the Kinks. <laughs> so, you know, that whole like triumphant middle part where it's just like, mm-hmm. and all the houses on the street have got a name. Like you were singing that at loud volume. You were screaming, screaming that and turned it up. And we were all like we were both doing like the Shangri-La, la, 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 because we were so happy to be alive. Yeah, and back on the road. <laughs> so every time I hear that song, I think, oh, yeah, here's the song that like made me happy to be alive and on the road. I don't remember <laughs> I, the Who music. I remember true, the Kinks. True to my temperament, I only remember the song that was happening when we almost <laughs> died. And there I am like, I remember the positive, yeah. There we go. <laughs> I'm the yin to your yang, I guess. Yeah, yeah I just had a car accident, and I, well... I was listening to uh, when it happened. I was listening to "All Kinds of Girls" by uh, the Real Kids. See, that's too normal. That's too new. I don't know what that is. It's like it. They're like a Boston uh, sort of rock punk band from the seventies. Oh, really? It's really, it, it's really good. You should go listen to that it. That sounds but, like my, uh, that sounds like something I should know about. Yeah, yeah. They do old. a really good cover of Rave On too. Really? Um, Why do I know yeah. this? I don't know. They they weren't very big. I learned about them through a friend. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't know about them. Um, but, like, it came on. Uh, when I would hear it again after that, I'd be like, nope, can't listen to it. Like, and, uh-huh. then, and then it, it came on because I just have, like, this huge random playlist that sort of shuffles. And in my new car, it came on. And I immediately skipped. And I was like, no, I have to face this. Like, I have to, like... I have to re-own this song. I can't let it define, like, the, you know, the death of my car. You should uh, you should do that because, I don't know if I ever told you, but, like, this is why I stopped listening to Pink Floyd. 
because I had a car accident and I was listening to Pink Floyd. And every time <laughs> Pink Floyd comes on the radio, and then like a year later, Floyd came on. I'm like, oh, okay, I can listen to Floyd again. And I like turned it up and then it's like my car died. So I have this theory that whenever you're in a car and Pink Floyd comes on, like something bad will happen. So that's why I'm sort of like, no, I, it doesn't, you know, it's also that I fucking don't like Pink Floyd. Like, you know, fuck that shit. But at the same time, like, um, like my punk rock feelings about Pink Floyd aside, like, I also know that when I'm in a car and like comfortably numb or, you know, something comes on, like I know danger is ahead. What, what Pink Floyd was it? Well, when I was when I got an accident, it was comfortably numb, which I blame the okay. song because I was too sort of spaced out by that <laughs> mellow song to sure. like be paying attention to the road. And then when it died, I think it was something it was uh, an earlier song from like the Obscured by Clouds era Pink Floyd. Because in high school, I was kind of into that band. And then like one day, like I think when I heard my first like uh, like Naked Ray Gun record, I decided like this was me now and uh, I don't uh, give a shit about these hippies. But yeah, I still like them. Well, that's 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 good for you. Yeah, I mean, everybody likes what they like. Like, I still, uh, I mean, I don't like anything really past the wall. Um, well, that's kind of the end of him, isn't it? Well, no, there's, uh, what, the final cut, and then, then it gets even worse. Um, yeah, well, I don't know anything about that. I thankfully tuned out before all that, but... It's not uh, it's not my thing, but you know, like you said, everybody likes what they like. So, did you hear that uh, Patton is playing with uh, Secret Chiefs Three? Yes, uh, Dead Cross, his new record, which is uh, yeah. Patton and Lombardo from Slayer on drums. Um, their band, which is kind of like this hardcore thing they're doing, um, they're coming to. They're not coming to Chicago together. Like it's only the Secret Chiefs Three without Patton, um, but. At the same time, I really like that that's going on because, like, if you're a Mr. Bungle geek like I am, and I don't really listen to them that much these days, but I still have this, like, like weird possessiveness about that band. And, uh, mm-hmm. like, for years, Patton and uh, Trace Bruance, I guess, weren't, weren't getting along or speaking. And that's sort of, like, why Mr. Bungle ended. And, like, everybody's sort of grown up and realized, like, that band is over. We're all doing our own thing. But, like, the idea of Patton and Sprunts being on tour together in separate bands is, like, enough to make me sort of go, oh, my God, they are on speaking terms. Like, Patton was actually did vocals on a Secret Chief song. Like, okay, like, they, they get along now. Maybe someday there will be a reunion show, but I guarantee it's never going to happen because, like, Trevor, yeah. Trevor Dunn even said, like, we would never do that unless they threw obscene amounts of money and nobody is throwing obscene amounts of money for a bungle reunion. Yeah, I figured as much, but it gave me a little bit of hope. Yeah, I kind of would like to see it. I, I, I like how everyone in that band ended up in like a good place. And Mike Patton is sort of like when in the 90s when I was into that band so much, like Mike Patton was my hero. And now I've kind of like have this attitude of like that guy's kind of a bit of a douche. And uh, like Trace Bruance is sort of like more my hero from that band. Like I realized he's the guy who was like producing those records and like would spend 32 hours a day in a studio producing those records. And like he's sort of the guy who was the brain of that band. And Pat was just kind of like the front man. So I feel like as long as the Secret Chiefs 3 are making records, I kind of have like my bungle fix. But I wouldn't mind seeing them reunite just to do like one obscene tour of making money and then call it quits. You still listen to those band, that band? They only made three records, I know. But do you ever like sit uh, down and get nostalgic for that shit? Uh, yeah, I haven't listened to Bungle in a while. Um, I still think they're good. It's just like, I, 
that feels like uh, I don't know. Um, it's yeah, a little juvenile I, for whatever reason. <laughs> I just like I don't know. I, all of Patton's like post Bungle projects have always, outside of like Lovage, uh, they've all kind of let me down. Yeah, Lovage and Phantomus like are the two good ones. The rest all just kind of leave me. Uh, shrugging. Um, yeah, there's a few that I kind of dug, but like going like now, I would only put on uh, the Phantomus, like the first couple records. And Lovage is great, but that was the best but, thing he ever did. That, yeah. that, that tour for Lovage was the best concert I've ever seen him uh, as a member of. Like he was really, uh, like he wasn't really doing. It was kind of not his thing. He was just a hired gun, and I thought that right. he was like infinitely more tolerable then. I saw That's, the Secret Chiefs a few years ago, and I like shook hands with Trey. They were at, uh, God, what's the name of that club on Southport and Belmont? Uh, Shubas. Shubas. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, which was like oh. a really good place to see him because like Trey Sprunts will walk past you on the way to the stage. It's not like some right. big arena. And it's like that sort of was like made my day. But like I think that that's more interesting than whatever Mike Patton's up to these days. Have you heard any of that? Uh, the Dead Cross record? It's not really. No. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to recommend. It's. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I couldn't even like get. I didn't get into that new faith no more. Um, I think like Patton was a part of an earlier part of my life, and like I always appreciate that. But I don't know that it's coming ever coming back. No. Um, like Patton. Same with like John Zorn. Uh, like. Yeah. And I, I'd still maybe listen to. I mean, I would probably listen to some of that. Masala stuff um, That stuff's good And so is um, I still like Naked City Like those uh, Yeah Those things But because I like what it is If I'm in the mood For like a hardcore record But like John Zorn puts out a record Every few months And they're always like Some of them are great And some of them are just Him blowing duck noises Through a saxophone read So Yeah And I really was into that Like you remember How into that shit I was in the late sure. 90s like I wouldn't listen to anything that had a guitar in it anymore like I swore off rock music <laughs> like I only listened to like avant-garde jazz and maybe the boredoms was like the only right. band that I was really into um and like I sort of still have some of those records now and every once in a while I'll pull them out and it's kind of neat but like my tolerance for uh, the avant-garde is just sort of wane like these days I'm just want to listen to like I don't know like fucking T-Rex records or something or the yeah, New York City yeah. Dolls or something like that's what I, that's all I can deal with these days. Do you know that I yeah, for, do you know that for the first time in my life this is how weird I am with music. Like literally about a month ago for the very first time in my life, and Jeff is going to lose his shit when I say this, I finally for the first time listened to Zen Arcade by Husker Du. Like I never listened to that record. That's crazy. Just I, like well I've listened to like other records like uh, uh like I've listened to some of the later ones. What's the name of the Candy Apple Candy Apple Gray. Candy Apple Gray like was a big record for me for years and I love Sugar and I like Bob Mold Solo, but like for whatever reason I always like had this thing where everybody was telling me I needed to listen to Zen Arcade and I'm like fuck I'm not going to listen to that cuz everyone tells me I should. And like I finally sat down and listened to the entirety of Zen Arcade like a month ago. And I was fairly embarrassed that it took me that long. Yeah, that's a while, dude. <laughs> Even I, like, who, who, you know, <clears throat> took a while to establish his bones. Like, I was listening to that in, like, 97, 96. Yeah. In fact, I remember you listening to that record and me leaving the room. <laughs> to, like, go No, kiss. thank you, sir. I was like, 
oh, you're going to listen to this. Do you need anything? But those were also, it was probably also because like you sent me out to get a sandwich or something. Cause that was the other part of our relationship for a while was I would go to Whitehead and get us sandwiches. Yeah. And cigarettes. So I'm like, ah, oh, Chris is putting Zen Arcade on. I don't want anything to do with that. I'll go get a sandwich and a cigarette. So, if only you had stayed. I know. I could have listened to the to Zen Arcade in the 90s and said, like, I'd be cool right now. No, instead, I'm reg- I have to, like, catch up with the rest of the world um, who've, who've, like, listened to, like, Husker 2 their entire lives. And here I am, like, a neophyte to this shit. That reminds me, I haven't listened to Husker Du in forever. Uh, the stuff I like holds up. I mean, like, Zen Arcade yeah, is yeah. heavier and, like, more, like, raw than the Husker Du I'm used to listening. I'm used to listening to, like, the later kind of, you know, I don't want to know if you're a lonely stuff, which is fairly melodic and straightforward, whereas, like, Husker, like Zen Arcade is kind of a raw record. Like, I was surprised at how, like, just completely angry and raw that thing is from start to finish. I mean, it's not like there's a moment that lets up. And I always yeah, envis- I definitely prefer their earlier stuff. Like, I, I I think I envision it as being like this weird concept, like this London Calling kind of concept record of like mixed bag stuff, and instead it was like a double record of noise. Oh, <laughs> well, there is like a narr- like I know that there is like a narrative on it, like that you can follow. Um, that it's basically like all about one dude who's basically like just having a really bad time. Um, yeah. Which is but probably, that's, you know, that's the narrative of like, you know, every fucking record. That's Quadrophenia, you know, I mean, which I was way <laughs> well, into, yeah. as you know. They made it a bit more clear in Quadrophenia. Yes. Quadrophenia, there was no subtlety. Whereas who's like, it's an arcade. There's a little bit of like parsing out the narrative. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even like, I couldn't tell you for certain that narrative's true. Like, no, that's about but, right. Yeah, I, I was reading like, the Wikipedia page on Zen Arcade as I was listening to Zen Arcade, so I felt like I was getting the <laughs> multimedia experience of figuring yeah. out what this album is all about. That's how Bob Mould always intended that album to be experienced. This is the thing. Like, I love Bob Mould, but like, I think I kind of like uh, was it Grant Hart the drummer? I think I almost kind of like sometimes his songs better. Yeah, nobody agrees with me on that, but I think it's just something about like the, the, the see, this is the thing, like, I love the replacements, as I know you're a fan too. And like, if we're got like Zen, like Husker Du and the replacements always get mentioned in the same breath, the Minnesota thing. And there's something uh-huh. like about the Grant Hart Husker Du records that remind, like, songs that remind me of replacement songs because you can just feel the kind of defeat and, uh, in, in all of them. It's kind of like, ooh, nothing's going to work out well for you. Like Bob Mould's going to have a career. You're going to descend into heroin. It's like, yeah. The same thing with like listening to the replacements. It's like, yeah, Bob Stinson will be dead in a year. But like he's playing this shitty. He's fucking up a guitar solo at the moment, but he'll be kicked out and dead soon. Have you read Trouble Boys yet? No, I knew you were going to ask. I haven't read it. It's on my shelf. It stares at me. I really need to read it. Uh, it's like it's a really enjoyable book to read in terms of like that you're yelling at history. Like you, you just read like, yeah. And then such and such. And then they got offered this like showcase and then, and then like, and then they started fighting on stage and it's like, guys, stop. Like guys, you could be huge. Please stop doing this. And it's like, you know, it's already, it's already written, but like every time you're just like, no, why? Like, why would you guys do, why would you sabotage yourself so hard? Cause that's, that's sort of what makes like somebody like, like somebody would ask me like, why are your replacements fan? Cause they don't really, cause the songs are great. Some of them, but 
like objectively from a like composition point of view, they're not genius songs. I mean, they're very much like Paul Westerberg putting a couple of chords together and just coming up with some really like almost embarrassingly part in the sleeve lyrics. And that's, I think, why people love them, but it's also why people don't really love them. Because, like, one of my buddies is a jazz bass player, and he's like, I don't lo- I don't understand why people like The Replacements. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, well, of course it doesn't. You listen to fucking, you know, Jocko and, and fucking Charles Mingus. Like, you're not going to really dig this. But it's like, that's the thing I've always liked about that band is, like, how close they could go to actually being great and then just tank it uh, intentionally or otherwise. Like, how just dangerous it all was like the saturday night live appearance is my favorite like tv moment where they just like get on saturday night live and they're just fucked out of their minds and just playing kind of sloppy and swearing and not caring like hey here's our chance to like have the biggest audience we've ever had in our lives why wouldn't we act like assholes like ugh, i admire that (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah i mean it's definitely a hard book to read like just because, like, you're just, you know, so many things go well for them and happen, like, and there are, like, so many cute moments, like, like, uh, uh, Westerberg recording their demo onto, he stole, a, his sister had a tape of, uh, Santana's Sunflower that, like, she just recorded the LP and she, like, handmade the label, so, like, they include the actual tape where he, Westerberg, like, crosses out Santana Sunflower and writes in like replacements like stink or whatever. Oh, Jesus um, Christ. <laughs> but like charming moments like that or like, you know, like I think was it one of the band members or there's a story of basically of like a dude who was walking by and heard them like through the window uh, of their the basement that they played in um, and kind of like stuck his head in and he became like a member of the, the oh, story. Yeah. That's what I always heard about Westerberg is how he joined is that like the other three were in a band and Westerberg oh, was, sort of yeah, like walked yeah. past as they were rehearsing and just said, hey, what's going on? And then he ended up like yeah. replacing somebody and then like basically taking over songwriting duties. And he's like, they were just oh, doing yeah. like he yes covers the whole... at the time. And, and I just like, yeah. yeah, I joined the band from my way home from my janitor's job. Yeah, I mean, definitely Westerberg comes off as very mercenary yeah. in that book. Like, he, you know, was like, no, this is good. I can use this. And, like, and he very quickly, like, took a, and, you know, Stinson was just like, what happened? Like, this used to be my band. Yeah, uh, poor Bob. The saddest thing I ever read was Bob Stinson's uh, obituary in Rolling Stone. They did, like, an article about him. It was, like, the most depressing thing I ever read in my life about his last years <laughs> and it was not good but he reminded me of like everybody that I knew from where I grew up like all these people who were like my buddy who just drinks like 24 beers a day and just sits around and is depressed uh, and can't hold a job I love the guy but it's just like yeah this is sort of I think why I like the replacements because I feel like I know those guys a little bit <laughs> yeah no it's definitely like the yeah your friend's band who actually turned out to be good <laughs> <laughs> And playing like their 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 worst cover songs in the world, but when they were just on their yeah. third bottle of Jack Daniels, but so we're at two hours. We're probably going to cut. But is there anything you want to wrap with? Uh, any comments we didn't get to? Any uh, things that we didn't get? Like you know, do that we should have done. Um, how deep are you into your Jack and Cokes? Did you did you move on to like Herb instead? 
Um, no, I haven't gotten very far, but I feel pretty buzzed. Like, okay, um, if you're buzzed, I mean, I've been, I've been sort of, I, I put in like two giant ice cubes into this like a glass solely reserved for drinking alcohol, um, and I've been topping it off. The ice cubes are all gone now, but I feel a little like I definitely feel buzzed. Um, so I've maybe had like two, two and a half. Uh, order at a bar, Jack and Cokes. That's good. So that's good. This is kind of like two hours, two and a half drinks. That's not a bad record. Record, no, yeah, whatever track just, record. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. Yeah, I think the last twenty minutes or so, I just hit a hit a spell where I was just like, yeah, we're just talking. Yeah, like yeah. there's no actual recording happening. No, so. no, that's fine. You yeah. hit the sweet spot. Like that's I've been trying to get this stupid podcast of mine happening, and it's just. Well, like, let's talk about that for a sec before we go, because sure. are you actually doing that? Because I wasn't sure if you're doing your um, own. Yeah, because I, I thought mean, what I would be funny is, is is we could just do this one podcast, and I could put it as mine, you could put it as yours, and <laughs> then it was like we did each other's <laughs> podcasts once. Like, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, no, I, I've the, the 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 place where I keep screwing up on it is I never prepare for it. And, like, a lot of times not preparing for stuff works out A-OK for me, sometimes to the better. But definitely not in this case because, <clears throat> I don't know, it's just, like, uh, things I've had. I, I recorded, like, maybe three or four or five of them, and, like, the first one kept swinging wildly out of control. Like, we would... <laughs> Well, we were just like it was a buddy of mine and we were just like so comfortable with each other. And like we were basically like we would slip into talking the usual amounts of shit that we do when we're talking. Um, and then I kept having to be like, oh, fuck, we're recording this. Like, I'm going to have to cut that. Like and, and then we'd like pause and talk about like, ah, should we be talking about this? Like, so I need to like establish some sort of POV. Like, it can't just be like. Like it can't be like loose. I know it's sort of yours. Like you have at least like you say from the outset, like it's drinking and talking. Like nobody should walk into this with any preconceptions. No, no there's, there's no, be, there's no, pol- I, like, like, there's no like pre-planned thing. To me, it's just like we're drinking, we're talking for a couple hours, and then Jeff gets the unfortunate duty of like having to edit it into something coherent. Because like the last podcast was two and a half hours of talking that he honed into a good hour of content but like i don't well, even remember what job, he cut jeff uh, kudos to jeff like because that that didn't feel like uh, it was pretty breezy like um i was also super stunned when i hit play on it and i was like wait video's theme music oh like, i got theme music uh, yeah <laughs> i actually compared my like, theme music to side two of low by bowie because like that's what i heard when <laughs> i heard like those sort of cool like you know spacey keyboards yeah, I was very, very impressed. Like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Like, Vinny's like big timing on this. Like, uh, I'm trying. Yeah. So, so you give me something to aspire to. Well, I'm glad because uh, the idea of editing, I know, is, is, is like part of it. But it's like I, I didn't want to do a podcast where uh, like every podcast I listened to in preparation for this because the idea of doing one was kind of like a spontaneous. This could be fun. But when I listen to them, they usually have some theme to it. And. Like the themes that I thought of were all because I'm thinking, well, I would I could do a book one, 
But the only people I know who really, really talk about like, you know, poetry or literature or something are probably cool people that I want to have on. But it's like it's not a very huge pool that I can draw from in my life. Like most of my friends uh-huh. are, are have some skill set or some agenda or some career that they want to talk about. Or we could kind of make that the overwhelming thing of that episode. But like there's no it doesn't fit with like one thing. So it's like, well, the only thing I could think of was just a random conversation over drinks. Um, so it's like I could talk to you about a number of things like we could talk about our past. We could talk about comics. We could talk about whatever. Um, but like if I want to have my buddy on who's like, you know, uh, in publishing, like we'll talk about literature. It's like we, like last time we did it with Jason and he's just a kid who <laughs> who had a job and lost it. So we talked about how fucked up it is to be a, a millennial these days and be facing like the job market after college uh, and sucking dick for a living, which he apparently is going to go back to very soon. So like that's the thing, but I don't know what your, your your theme is, or if you have one, or you have an idea. But no, apparently that no, helps. it's yeah. Like I just need like, I mean, basically my theme is like I need an excuse to talk to somebody once a week at the very least. So uh, I am like scheduling it like a normal sane person does. Uh, I just like I work so much, and like I just like I uh, the one thing I tend to let slip more than anything is like human interaction um (laughs) because the longer you go without it the more normal it seems and then it's like oh yeah i've like haven't like talked to someone who isn't behind a counter in three days um so like that that's basically the main motivation of it and uh god how i envy you i really envy you what that you don't have to talk to human beings for all that often but yeah no it's not too bad but yeah <laughs> occasionally you know i start to feel myself going feral um and it's like shit i really gotta like figure out a way to like interact and it's like i don't know it's like hitting the stage where like everybody is uh is starting to nest and it's like nobody wants to uh sort of go on weird it feels like i have to keep getting younger friends or something like people who are less committed to um, wives and children because um, I have decided that that's not for me so like I'm just like alright let's do something and everybody's like oh well I have this baby who relies on me to stay alive so how I selfish yeah. I know right yeah <laughs> douchebags having kids what the fuck whatever yeah, like, I know. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure they'll rub it in my face when they're old and have have somebody to take care of them but uh if my plans work out i'm not gonna be around so i was gonna say uh, just keep you know just keep smoking and you'll be fine yeah yeah, yeah. blaze of glory exactly. i'm just waiting for for like cryonics to get cheap yeah you might make it it's 2017 it could happen either that or like you know i mean it's happening now like i could do it it's just it's really expensive so um Mm, but hopefully, you know, once I get uh, 10 years down the road, maybe I'll have enough to, to get my head chopped off and frozen at the end of my life. Sure. Yeah. I look forward to talking to you then when you're just like a head in a jar. That'll be fun. No, then I'm just going to like sleep. I'm going to have the best like few hundred years of sleep. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be totally like rebuilt. Oh. And, and like I'll have a lot of money because they make you put money in like a like an interest bearing account so it's like oh because we probably won't revive you for another 200 years yeah see this so. seems like something you can fit into because you were the first person i know to, to get on the internet you were like very into these 
every new gadget, every new iteration of something you were kind of at least knew about it. Uh, and I'm slow to catch up. So you will be like cryogenically frozen in the year like 2017, uh, 700 or whatever. I'll be long dead. There's no fucking way that there's any room for me in that world. Like, so enjoy because, you know, I'll be gone. I will. Because <laughs> there's no way. Like, I won't make it past whatever I'm going to make it past. Like, I have no ability to, to like adopt technology to make my life longer uh, if anything it's going to make my life shorter because it drives me crazy oh yeah i mean mine ultimately is but but then i have a tick a quick ticket out it's just a little more spendy so eh, enjoy you'll be eating me as i will be recycled in the soil and grain so th- there's something i can help you with in the future so. i'm i'm hoping in the future you don't have to eat like that's I feel like that's another part of aging that I'm dealing with is just like I don't give a shit about food anymore. Like um, uh, unless it's like the really easy, like really bad for me stuff. The rest is just like it just feels like a chore. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm just getting really lazy or something. But like just like dinner is always just like, fuck my life. I have to fix dinner like this is so terrible see and then, i'm a married man who's very happy with that existence but like part of it is like like the the most fun thing that i can do is like i'm gonna make dinner at home and we're gonna cook mm. and it's gonna be we're gonna go to the grocery store specifically for ingredients to cook right now as soon as we get in and yeah. it's like here's some salmon and here's some brussels sprouts and we're gonna make these and we're gonna like download recipes like that is about as like wild as shit gets so like i'm you have the to, opposite you have to, yeah you have to teach me to get enthused about this because i feel like if i taught uh, you to do that like you would do it for a week and then it would be back to like uh just shove food in me so i can keep going honestly like i'm i'm about five minutes from from putting an order into soylent okay like and that's going to be my next grand experiment is I'm just going to like they send you 35 bags. Yeah. And you just drink uh, like this shake that's got fiber and protein and live. But it's supposed to last you seven days. But like that's saying you're going to drink three of them a day. And I'm like, well, well, I don't feel like I need to drink all three in a day. So like I could stretch that out. Yeah. You, um, could, you could live off that for a month. Yeah. Like that could be so cheap and I wouldn't have to think about making food it would just be like i'm just gonna drink my slop and then i'm gonna go back to work (laughs) like that's all like honestly all i want anymore is like can i just like take care of these like basic human needs as quickly and effortlessly as possible like sleep is a real fucking pain in the ass because i i love sleeping but also i'm just like i could be working um like i could be getting ahead yeah. Anyhow, I have a lot of issues. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of work. Like my my work life and my personal life are so. It's like the briar and the rose. Like they're just like they're choking each other. So that's what we're gonna call this episode. Is I have a lot of issues. Chris Sabella and his <laughs> issues. That should be your podcast it's, name, like Sabella's issues. Yeah. No, I've, I think there's a couple. There's got to be at least one comics podcast that uses that issues thing. Oh, okay. Um, so, but I, I do have a lot of literal issues. Okay. Well, I'm looking at them right now on my shelf. There They're you go. Sweet. Oh, I get it. They're punning on that. Oh, what, what, what? Jesus Christ. Oh, <laughs> what, Jesus. It. it took I'm me a minute. I'm just pointing it out. It's too many beers. It's my third or fourth anchor steam. I don't know. Um, so that's the problem. Oh, yeah. I was supposed to give a shout out before we go to uh, the great folks at Anchor Steam Beer who are not 
advertising on this podcast for supporting me, but we're hoping dearly that they, uh, since this is the second podcast in a row that we've been drinking Anchor Steams the entire time, which is one of my favorite beers, the original craft beer. Uh, like I'm hoping they hear this and go, oh yeah, we should definitely like throw them some advertising revenue. But you know, it's a long shot. But like whoever you are, CEO of Anchor Steam, I love your beer and it's fueling this podcast. Uh, so is Jack and Coke on Chris's end. But like at least here in Chicago, we're drinking your San Francisco beer. So please advertise on our podcast. Is this your whole strategy? <laughs> this is my like, game. Yeah, it's just to keep drinking the beer until they like fund us. You should really like write them a letter or something. I'm um, gonna send them an email or something and be like, "Here's my." This podcast. is also what Twitter is good for. Well, uh, yeah, they probably me and another comics writer got Chobani yogurt to promise to send us like their maple. It never happened. They like cheaped out or something. But um, for a day, we felt pretty great. Because we just put up this really fake argument that, like, well, we're both very important comic book writers. So <laughs> if you send us some maple yogurt, uh, we will say nice things about it. Yeah. And they played along, and then in private, they were just like, yeah. Fuck these guys. <laughs> like, they asked for my address and everything, but, like, just never, never well, said yogurt. Well, whoever the CEO of Anchor Steam Beer is, we will be getting an email soon with a link to the podcast because uh, I do. I will keep drinking the product regardless of uh, whether or not they decide to kick us some dough But like you know if, if they don't then we'll have to switch to Guinness Like a normal person but whatever We'll get to that I got the Jameson I haven't broken that out yet But I think we need to end it so I'm not going to get too drunk tonight You gotta you gotta go for smaller breweries dude I think you're shooting too high too fast Anchor Steam is not like, a huge I mean they're they're not like you know Yeah but I've heard of them like, Oh you need like I need to go to like Founders Or one of those small craft Yeah beers. you need a You need a foundling brewery Like and you gotta be like Listen fellas Like we're starting out You guys are kind of starting out Like let's uh, grow together Okay that's like, a good plan You give us free beer And like as our podcast grows, we will continue to mention you, and then your business will grow, and we'll grow, and then see that's what you, you're you're shooting too high too fast. We, that's what we did. We should have gone after a lesser yogurt you should company, have a new C or new C, whatever the <laughs> fuck that is. That Dannon's at least I like know. at least Dannon's isn't pretentious. Well, like Dannon's has, Dannon's has got fuck you money to throw around, so why wouldn't they? Sure. Like, well, so does Chobani, I assume. Eh, like, I guess I, I will go to Whole Foods next week. For the podcast and look and see what craft beers are there and just choose one at random and just like drink like you know some obscure thing if it means that like i have a better chance but at the same time i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie anchor steam is like uh on my list of beers because uh, i don't drink a ton of beer these days to be honest with you there's only like guinness anchor steam and samuel smith and that's about it uh, i quit i know you I don't quit. drink beer right yeah, like it took me ten, like ye- over a decade to finally admit I don't like beer. Well, that's okay. You're drinking whiskey, so that's good because you're making the next yeah. logical step. Uh, I drink I more of that than I drink beer, but because uh, I can't drink too many. But but oh well, Anchor Steam, if you're here listening to this, expect an email soon. So, all right, Mr. Sabella, so we're gonna wrap. All right. I will. Uh, Thanks for doing the podcast. If you ever, sure. if you get yours up and you want to like ever like reach out to me, I'm happy to do this on the oh, other yeah. end. No, we'll, we'll totally, cause uh, this is fun. Except for mine, I'll like mail you an edible and then oh, you okay. have to eat so it. I have to, I have to get high right. for yours. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or I'll send someone. They'll just come by and drop something off. And, All right. Whatever works. I'll text works. you half an hour before and be like, Vinny, eat it now. And then we'll go on a mystical journey. Okay. And we can, we can explore each other's minds. Uh, the inside of my eyeballs yeah that'll be fun 
The Journey, yeah, the best Ted Nugent song. <laughs> yes, the only Ted Nugent song worth listening to the, from the Amboy Dukes era. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, I look forward to that. All right, good. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, whoever you are listening, and uh, go buy some of Chris Abella's books because he's uh, the only person in comics worth reading. There you go. <laughs> All right, dude, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>